And now, coming at you from the Five Star Physique Studio in Knoxville, Tennessee, this is The Drop Set with your host, Darren Starr. T-G-I-F. It is Friday, March 23rd, recording this a day later than usual. I like to get these done on Thursday. Hey, I was, uh, yeah, I was busy. It's been a, it's been a busy, busy, busy week. Um, mostly, mostly good things, but yesterday it just was not in the cards. So I got a little bit recorded throughout the week. You know, I kind of do this as a, a little bit of a piecemeal operation. I try to get it all done by Thursday. It's Friday. It's the 23rd of March. Um, we are recording episode 47 right now. A few things on tap for this week. A couple discussions regarding um, everybody's favorite topic in bodybuilding, at least based on the questions that I get um, from existing clients, prospective clients. Everybody wants to know what does peak week look like? So I'm going to go over, you know, clearly I can't answer that in depth, uh, but I can give you some general things that I believe in when it comes to peak week. And also some, some questions to ask your current or prospective coach about their peak week philosophy. So you can get some insight into how they approach things. And we'll also talk a little bit about one of my favorite things when it comes to the gym, which is stretch reflex. Um, if you're like, what then, stay tuned. Um, and if you're like, oh yeah, well, let's see how much you know about it. Um, whether we want to think it's a good thing or a bad thing or something in between, but we'll have a discussion about that as well. So um, getting to the weekly roundup here, we have um, an old uh, last week's poll to discuss and then a new one as well. Um, so the the new poll, I'm, I'm going to admit this one's a little bit selfish, but indulge me on it, please. Last week's poll, however, um, much better uh, turnout on these the last couple weeks. So thank you to everybody who is going to fivestarphysique.com and voting in these. I really, really, really do appreciate it. So uh, the question was, what's your approach to leg training? Um, so the the responses that we got here, 29% um, um, of respondents said they hit them twice and they split up the muscle groups. So whether that's like a quad dominant um, leg day and then a posterior chain leg day, or maybe something that's more around upper leg, like you know a quad hamstring and then a glute day, whatever. So two sessions, splitting them up. Um, 11%, I'm sorry, no, 27% of people, so almost tied, um, just once a week, a full, hard, long session. So typically, um, personally, I will go through one, one of those two. I'm either going to hit them once a week or twice a week. And if I hit them twice, um, those two sessions aren't going to be full comprehensive leg workouts. I'm going to split them up and segment things uh, one way or another. 17% um, of people, more than twice weekly. Um, that is where I am right now. But I did put in the caveat here last week, what is your typical approach to leg training? That wasn't a question in here, but typically what do you do? So more than twice weekly. Um, I'd be curious to know how many guys um, answer that. Not information that I have, but it is a curiosity of mine. That's what I'm doing right now, just because they're not full sessions, but I'm I'm doing enough work to create a little bit of fatigue, a little bit of exhaustion about four to five times weekly at present. And it's working. It's not something that I want to continue long term, but for right now, it's doing a good thing. 12% um, of people say two sessions, mixing it into a, a lighter day and a heavier day. 10% um, of people, two full hard, all-out, comprehensive sessions, and then 5% of respondents, skip them. You people suck. You embarrass me. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I don't know who you are, but uh, yeah, don't skip leg day. I mean, unless you've got, you know, a really good like medical reason, like, hey, dude, I just had knee replacement surgery, or I just tore my ACL and I'm recovering. Okay, cool. I'll, I'll cut you some slack for that. Um, so anyway, thank you, everybody who responded there. So if we if we look at it here, um, the people who train legs two or more times weekly, um, this makes up about twenty-two. Carry the one. Da, da, da. Um, boy, my math skills are terrible here. Um, about two thirds. You're right about two thirds. I think it's it's right at about sixty eight percent of people are hitting legs twice or more weekly, which certainly you know the traditional bodybuilding method where you look at a split and it's a five day split and you're hitting upper body four times, lower body once. Um, that's kind of like the old school approach. Definitely taking a little bit of a back seat these days, which I think is a good thing. And I think we see that in a lot of the physiques up on stage as well. So um, anyway, fun stuff. Um, now this week, like I said, this question is a little bit more selfish, but um, this is one that will help me out 
tremendously. So I am looking to get some information from y'all here that I can use to cater how I do things going forward. So the question is, drum roll please, how do you listen to the drop set? Um, the the answers here, and by no means do I consider these to be comprehensive because I got to tell you, I, I publish this through a service. I have a podcast hosting service, and then they disseminate it through podcasting RSS feeds. So they are the ones that are responsible for putting it on iTunes and making it available to you know all the other common podcasting apps, etc. So I publish it through them, um, and then I also cross post it onto my website just so that there's a copy of it up there as well. Um, but I want to know how people are listening to this, most of all. So the options that I get here are iTunes or Apple Music. I think Apple is doing something a little bit different where some of this stuff now is actually getting routed through Apple Music. I don't pretend to understand exactly how it works, but if you're getting it through an Apple-based service, that's your option. Some other podcasting app. I know there are a lot of them out there. Um, I don't know what they all are, <laughs> but I know that there are. you can get specific apps um, that will allow you to you know, subscribe to podcasts and will deliver them to your phone as well. Um, this used to be available via Google Play, and I just did a check because I have an Android phone here. And that I can find, I do not believe the Google Play Store has a section available anymore for podcasts at all. I couldn't find it. That doesn't mean it's not there, but because I couldn't find it, I didn't plug it in here as an option. So um, I think um, what Google is trying to do is get out of um, get out of the business of being responsible for um, hosting that content and just relying on third-party podcast apps to do it instead. Um, so the, the two options so far, um, some Apple-based service, some other podcasting app. Do you actually go to my website, fivestarphysique.com, and stream it from there? It's certainly an option. I don't know how many people are doing that. Um, and then the, the fourth option is uh, I don't listen. And uh, I put in a parenthetical note, this is the wrong answer. <laughs> So, but if people are finding my website randomly and they don't know that I have a podcast, then that's, uh, that's, uh, certainly, I, I guess it's a valid answer. It's just not the one I want to hear. Um, and then, uh, the other option, uh, option, the other option, um, that I've added on here is other. So if there's some other way that isn't covered here, how are you listening to this? Please let me know. Um, and along with that, if you pick that option, send me a message somehow via Facebook, Instagram, email me, go through the form on the website, send up a smoke signal, send a, a carrier pigeon or whatever. Let me know how you're listening to it because I'm trying to conduct a little bit of research here with this. So anyway. Thank you all for voting on that. That is live. If you are listening to this now, it is live on the website right now, fivestarphysique.com. Scroll down below the main header graphic. It's right there on the main page. So my uh, personal week this week, boy, it was all over the place. It was a little nutty. Um, it was a, a busy week. It was relatively uneventful. Um, I kind of played mechanic over the weekend. <laughs> I say that extremely tongue-in-cheek. Um, I went and got an oil change on Friday in my truck and um yeah I, i'm the guy who you know I, I go someplace and have them do it i'm an absolute idiot when it comes to cars um i did manage at some point last year to actually replace my brake pads and my rotors on my own at home and i haven't died yet um i actually watched a 12 minute youtube video on how to do it consulted my brother-in-law who's a former mechanic and he said, yeah, that video is pretty good. You know, I might do this part a little bit differently, but otherwise you should be good to go. So I did it and I figured it out. So kudos to me. Um, so one of the things that, you know, I, I went in and they showed me my air filter and it just looked disgusting. And they're like, do you want one of these? It's 25 bucks. I'm like, no way, man. That's crazy. I will go get my own and I can put it in there. Um, and I ended up spending like 1950 on it anyway. I should have just sprung for it and had them do it anyway. But um, and I, I put on new, uh, new uh, wiper blades myself as well. So that's the definition of me being a, a mechanic. That's about as close as it gets this weekend. Pretty good with my hands, not good with cars. So um, I did go keyboard shopping this week. Uh, I just knew that it, it was time to retire my old Korg Cross. Um, which has been my my gig and practice um, keyboard for about three-ish years, three or four years. I knew I needed something else, and actually just earlier today, I pulled the trigger on a Yamaha MOXF8, which is awesome. So you'll be seeing and hearing that if you follow me on Instagram. You know, I post some music stuff every now and then. You'll see that in there. Um, 
nice, has a little bit more flexibility, much higher quality sound, um, is less ugly than the Korg. So, um, conversely, I I'll be selling the Korg. So I don't want to, this to devolve into my own personal Craigslist ad here, but if you're in the market for a keyboard, hit me up. <laughs> And if you're in Knoxville, I'm not shipping this thing anywhere. Um, and uh, what else? I sent out some emails to um, potential podcast guests um, from competitive organizations. Um, not surprisingly, I have not heard anything back. I knew that would be the case. I know I'm going to have to pester them. So um, we will be having some guests uh, in the near future as soon as I can nail some people down. Um, the, the thing that was most traumatic for me this week, I had a dentist appointment yesterday, and this is actually the main reason why this is day late. Um, I, uh, I went there, you know, it was, it was a routine cleaning and, you know, with me, one thing that uh, is universal with me is that dentist appointments are never routine. There's always something that comes up. And so what came up this time was they're like, yeah, we're going to have to refer you to a periodontist. So you need some gum surgery. I'm like, oh, good Lord, FML. I cannot cope with this. And I just immediately started to shut down. And then they show me this uh, x-ray, this full x-ray of my head and the dentist is like, yeah, it looks like you've got some, some kind of a large cyst in your sinus here. And immediately I, I'm thinking of like, you know, one of the early episodes of Breaking Bad where he's given his cancer diagnosis. And I'm like, oh, my God, is he telling me I'm going to die? What's going to happen here? Apparently, they're not super serious. Like uh, if left untreated, it makes, your, it makes you more prone to sinus infections. I've never had one in my life, so I don't know what's going on. But Anyway, I got a referral for that. It's just, you know, I'm getting a little bit older now, and this is the first time where I'm starting to feel, well, I, mean, I feel fine, but I'm starting to see the effects of old age, and uh, I've always felt fairly invincible, and now it kind of sucks being proven that I'm not, and a lot of the stuff is just random things that I don't have a whole lot of control over, so it's a little scary. Anyway, enough about me and my sad life, so let's get on with it. We've got some topics to discuss. We've got um, a pet peeve. We've got music of the week to cover, and then the two main topics, so let's get down to it. It's time for the airing of grievances. Pet peeve of the week. This week's pet peeve is something that's a little bit more substantial. Uh, I have an issue here, and so I'm gonna I'm gonna employ a call of call to action here. Also, my issue is on social media, um, and specifically Instagram. That's where I spend more of my time than anywhere else. So. Uh, when somebody is in pre-contest mode and you know they're relatively lean, they're getting leaner by the day, they're looking sharp, it's like, man, you cannot pay somebody to not take a selfie of themselves. It's like, hey, check me out. Here I am posing practice. Here I am in the gym wearing, you know, not enough clothing to really follow the gym rules, but hey, you know, I'm a social media hero, so it's all okay. Uh, and you know, the, the worst would be like those those selfies that people post where they're legitimately naked and they censor themselves with emojis. It's like, that's not cute. Stop it. Uh, and, uh, the, the dreaded, you know, well, we'll, we'll get to that. The problem is it's all during pre-contest. And then once the show comes and goes and we're a couple weeks after the show, the only photos that this person will post will be, you know, here I am in the gym with my sweatshirt and sweatpants on. Uh, here I am, you know, eating. Here's a face selfie. Here's a throwback Thursday back to when I was shredded. And just the fact that they're not as lean as they were, they then feel like they can't post anything. So I don't blame these people necessarily because, you know, I get it. It's a real mental trip to go through this contest prep cycle and then see all that, you know, detail and that leanness that you've worked for then fade away. But when you don't post your actual progress and you just, you know, you, you start to put on, a, you, you lose a little conditioning, you start to put on a little more body fat, which is normal, uh, but you don't post what that looks like. Instead, what your feed ends up looking like is like you're shredded all year round because it's all throwbacks and, oh, this contest two years ago, this is my best conditioning. And it's like if you're in the off season, it's, it, it's like you don't have permission to share what you actually look like during the off season. That's a problem, and it's a problem because it is so prevalent. Um, in my experience, that's almost the norm of how people treat their social media profile. Like It really is, and we all say this, but it really is just your highlight reel. You're being super selective with all this. And when somebody's just getting started out, you know, they've been bodybuilding for a little while, they look at this, and there are so few people who are transparent with their off-season progress that they start to think, I, 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 you know, I have to be lean all the time because look at all these other people. Um, and I think they know, like, no, that's not what actually happens. But you see enough of it, and what you know starts to give way to what you see. And it's a problem. And I work, I, I see this come out with clients all the time. They are afraid to go into an off season 
because they they you know they, they don't want to be that one who's fatter than everybody else that they see on social media because nobody else is being transparent and of course you have to be transparent with yourself you wake up you see what you look like every day so you see the ugly side of yourself you don't see the ugly side of other people and I, I don't really like that word I probably should rephrase that you know relatively you know compared to what everybody wants it's the ugly side of you I think we should all learn to embrace that a little bit Lord knows I am right now so anyway that would be my call to action everybody be a little bit more transparent on social media embrace your off season show us what it looks like and try to skew the perspective that everybody is seeing back towards something that's a little bit more normal and then hopefully we can all have a little bit more healthy frame of mind about the whole thing get ready to rock it's music of the week for this segment last week, um, if you listened, I actually invited my wife on here and had her create a playlist and then had her talk about it for a little bit. And it got me thinking, like, you know, this uh, segment would be a great opportunity to introduce new playlists. So I've gone ahead and done it again this week. So once again, um, this is a playlist that is available on Spotify. And if you go to search under Spotify and just type in Five Star Physique with two R's, all one word, You'll find my profile in there, and then there's a, a variety of playlists in there that I've created. Um, you know, they're, they're typically, you know, they, they um, are, are suited towards my tastes, pretty much. So it's a lot of harder stuff, rock, metal, etc. Um, the one that my wife put up last week was a little bit more varied, and I think it was great for that. So continuing with that trend... This week, I've created a new playlist, and this one is built around my favorite band, who I think needs more exposure. They're awesome, um, which is Dream Theater. So um, a little bit about them. They are definitely in the progressive metal genre, which means uh, if we were going to define progressive music, I probably should have done a, uh, a Wikipedia definition of this and looked it up before I started recording this. But we'll, we'll go with it, and I'll just give you my, my take on it. Progressive metal, you, some of the more... Um, popular bands that would be classified as probably like progressive rock would be like Rush, Yes, Emerson, Lake, and Palmer, those kind of bands. Um, what we're looking at is technical proficiency, um, a lot of extended instrumental sections, um, musical complexity, that kind of stuff. So um, what Dream Theater does is they take that and then they crank up the distortion and they make it a little bit heavier. Um, that's the stuff that I'm focusing on here. They have a lot of other... Um, their, their music is very is varied. I don't want to pigeonhole them and say they're just like a thrash group or anything like that because they do have a lot of really, you know, gorgeous ballad songs, some that really, really are just incredibly inventive. But what I'm focusing on here, because let's be clear, this is a gym playlist, is the stuff that's a little bit more up up tempo, a little bit heavier, the kind of thing that you listen to and it just kind of gives you this like permanent stank face, like yeah, you know, riffs that get down and dirty with it. So um, I've put it together here, and the, the trick with a band like Dream Theater is they have a lot of songs that really cover a lot of territory. Like there were several <clears throat> where I'm listening to it, and I'm like, this is just kill this, like, this is the most aggressive, heavy riff I've ever heard to open the song. This is awesome. And then like three minutes into it, it, it everything gets really quiet, the tempo changes, and, <laughs> and it, it goes like that for two minutes. I'm like, that kind of kills the whole gym vibe there. So a song like This Dying Soul, I really wanted to put in this playlist, but you know, it's like 12 minutes long, and it goes through a lot of different textures over the course of those 12 minutes. So um, instead, I, I've, I've settled on nine songs here that fill out just over an hour. And my goal with these playlists is, you know, typically they should be about an hour or so. Um, I did manage to avoid any live stuff, which they have some really, really great live albums with some really good tracks. I went with just studio recordings here. And for the most part, I stuck with some of the shorter songs. Um, the longest one is The Glass Prison, which clocks in at just under 14 minutes. Um, but it's a pretty a pretty steady and a pretty um, pretty solid 14-minute tune. So um, I won't bother going through a lot of these by name because I don't expect most of you have heard these. But if you have an inkling towards music that is... Oh, that pushes the boundaries a little bit and uh, will challenge you and is something that you absolutely under no circumstance can probably dance to, th this would be something worth checking out, which I know it isn't everybody's cup of tea, but I would strongly encourage you to give it a shot at least. The opening track here, I will say, um, and a couple of these actually. Um, so Hell's Kitchen, which is the opening track, um, and then later on Enigma Machine and Overture 1928, those are instrumental tracks. So um, I wanted to start off with something that kind of, you know, like with Dina's playlist last week, it started with a tune that was a little more, you know, 
down tempo, kind of like as a warm up song. Hell's Kitchen kind of starts out that way, and then over the course of you know four and a half minutes, it really builds into something. But uh, it'd be a good way to kick this uh, started off with. So anyway, check it out. Five Star Physique on Spotify. The playlist is called Dream Theater Gym Time. Follow Darren on Instagram at Darren underscore star to see client profiles, updated workout plans, and tips and tricks on training and nutrition. The first topic I wanted to dive into this week is one that, uh, strangely, I've not really covered in much detail here before. And uh, a client suggested this. I have many people ask me this throughout. This is specifically related to competition prep. And that is the topic of peak week. You know, how do we tackle this week before the show, uh, which, you know, supposedly is when all the magic happens. And the first thing that I would recommend doing is if you have a coach currently or even better yet, if you are in the market and shopping around for a coach right now, this is a great question to ask them because what they tell you can tell you a lot about their overall philosophy. So, if someone were to ask this of me, and the, the question being posed is, how do you typically handle peak week? Not specifically, how will you handle my peak week? Because that's completely impossible to answer when you're 40 weeks out from your show or whatever. So you just can't tell. Uh, but if someone were to ask me, how do you typically handle peak week? Of course, what is my stock answer going to be? Everybody together now. It depends. Um, and what it largely depends on more than anything else is the division in which you're competing. So if this is all along a spectrum, and we're, we're talking about level of muscularity here, so we're starting with bikini, and then fitness slash figure, and then women's physique, and then bodybuilding, men's physique, probably you know, somewhere along the lines of women's physique and men's physique is in the same thing, and then classic physique and then bodybuilding, if we're going to put men and women together along the same spectrum here. Um, that is in order from like least to most of how convoluted your peak week should be and, and how much stuff you should be trying to do. So uh, the, the, the big take-home point here being the, the more overall muscularity and development you have on your frame and the leaner you are, the more this stuff is going to help. Now, you can be, let's say you're competing in bikini, um, you can be really lean, but you know what? You ain't lean enough to really justify doing a whole lot on peak week. And you don't want to be. That's not the point of the division. You know, this is not a division where you walk on stage at five or six percent body fat. You're like 10 to 12. And when you're that lean, 10 to 12 percent, which, yeah, it's lean, you're hitting the aesthetic target for your division. Absolutely. You're not lean enough to really justify doing a bunch of crazy crap with sodium and water and all this stuff. So um, it just doesn't have the same impact when you aren't as lean. So um, now when you do get into bodybuilding and if you're hitting the targets correctly, like if it's your first show and you come in, your conditioning's okay and you know, whatever, again, there's not not a whole lot that you really need to do. Like if you're stepping on stage at like eight or nine percent, you're a little soft still. Um, eh, I mean, we can do a little bit, but I'm not going to push it too hard. Now, if you've been competing several times and you're bringing some really, really good conditioning, like grainy, hard kind of conditioning, then yeah, you know, you can you can benefit from a little bit little bit more fluid depletion, a little bit more aggressive carb load, depending on you know how your body processes that stuff. Playing around with sodium a little bit more. Um, but it's really easy to mess up. So basically, the more stuff you do, the greater chance you have of screwing up everything that you've worked for. And one of the biggest challenges that I have as a coach is working with a bodybuilder. And I use that term very generally here. So if you are a bodybuilder, you are typically kind of hardcore, more so than the average human being. And the hardest thing to do is to take someone with a hardcore mentality and rein them in a little bit and tell them that less is more. It's a really hard thing to sell somebody who has the pre-programmed mentality that more is more um, because that is just not the case here. You know, it, it, let's take bikini division, for example. You know, throughout, you know, the last week or two leading into the show, you should be waking up pretty much in close to stage condition. Uh, you know, there you shouldn't really be having to do a whole lot to really, you know, put on those finishing touches, except for, you know, 
spray tan, hair, makeup, you know, the stuff that happens like the day before or the day of. Um, other conditioning wise, you know, you, you shouldn't be, you're, you're eating a lot. You shouldn't be holding on to a ton of water. Most of the things that I'm going to do on peak week are going to be, you know, what can we do to, you know, just tighten up a little bit. Like if we can drop an extra pound or so of water, great. Um, we can have you just feeling a little bit tighter, a little bit more confident overall. Great. And then how can we still keep calories and fluids in your system, but not have it show in your midsection? That's the tricky thing. So we play around with food volume a little bit sometimes. Uh, but th- there aren't needs. I mean, you know, I, I know a lot of, of women, and these are women who weigh like 110, 120 pounds, who will start with like three gallons of water a day. Holy shit balls! What are you doing? That is not necessary. Uh, that is the mentality, and, and this is common in bodybuilding, that... The crazier crap I do and the more I suffer, the more it's going to help me, which is just stupid. That applies one place and one place only, and that's the gym. So the harder you work and the more you suffer in there, the more you're going to grow. That is true. The crazier crap and you know variable manipulation that you do on peak week, it ain't going to help you. What it's going to do is make your week harder. Now, it might make you think that you're doing some stuff, which can help your mental state, but I will just burst your bubble right now and tell you it ain't helping. So stop it. Um, now there is some value in spiking your water intake a little bit. And the, the goal there is so that you can then drop your fluid intake later in the week, not to crazy levels, um, but drop it and not have your body want to hold on to fluids. And the reason why you want to drop it is because less, less stuff in your system. So, you know, when, when we're focusing on a nice tight midsection, we don't want to have a food baby. We don't want to have, you know, tons of water rolling around in your gut when you're on stage either. So we'd cut down on overall food volume and go with things that are a little bit more calorically dense. And we dial back on water and take a little bit just to help the midsection and the stomach specifically feel a little bit tighter. Um, and, and so I might spike water intake early in the week and then taper it down because, you know, if you just drop your water intake, your body's going to want to hold on to fluids. But if you spike it and then drop it, it cooperates a little bit more. So um, the, the questions you have to ask yourself are, how necessary is it? Um, a lot of people will do crazy stuff on peak week because they're behind and they're hoping for a miracle. Well, whatever you do with water manipulation and sodium manipulation, etc., if you've still got fat on your body that's not supposed to be there, it's still going to be there when you do that stuff. And you're like, well, yeah, but you know, anything that I can, it's not going to help. It's not going to help. What you need more than an aggressive peak week is you need a time machine so that you can go back and tighten up everything that you were doing when you were 16 weeks out and you thought you had all the time in the world. This is what you learn from experience and doing more than one show. So um, that, that's the, the main take-home point is don't fall behind in your prep. Um, I, one of the common things that I always uh, get from clients, a question that I always get is, Am I on track? Am I falling behind? And you know, oftentimes, and I'll just I'll just blatantly tell people that I'm manipulating them when I when I tell give them this answer. I'll say, "Yeah, you're behind. Now act like you're behind. Bust your ass." When in reality, no, you're you're not behind. You're right where you need to be. But I don't want you to get complacent. So work harder. You know, if you feel like you know, if if you're asking if you're behind schedule, and I say, "Yeah, you are." Do you have an extra gear that you can kick it into? Because if you have that gear, I want you to kick it, kick into it anyway, whether you're behind, whether you're on track, whatever, find that higher gear and go into it and stay there. So, um, but don't fall behind, you know, I mean, don't, don't come in and, and wake up one day and realize that you're four weeks out and you're still 12 pounds away from where you want to be. <laughs> That's not good. Now for a first show, how do you know where you want to be? Well, you don't. Um, so you go and you do your first show and then you, you take a look, you take a snapshot, you track your variables, you see where you are, and then you've got a, a point of, of reference. So you're like, all right, now at this point I weighed this much and I was on stage and I look like this. So realistically, maybe if I could come in five pounds tighter, that'd make a big difference. So what does that mean? It means I'm going to take my off season a little less aggressively. I'm going to try and stay tight while still trying to build and grow a little bit. But now I've got an idea of how far out I need to start my prep based on the rate of loss that I saw last time and uh, how how much I weigh at the start of this prep. So, you know, it, it's a numbers game. I know it's very common and it's very in vogue to say the scale doesn't matter. You can't go by the scale. But once you've gone through it a few times, you can really use it as a really good comparative tool. So anyway, sidetrack there. Another thing that happens on peak week is people do a lot of dangerous and stupid, stupid things. So anytime you hear a story about somebody, a competitor who either 
ended up in the hospital after the show or worst case scenario died after a show. I can think of several names that have, have you know, have, have fallen prey to this. Um, it's because of stuff that they had done during peak week. And most commonly it's because of their abuse of prescription diuretics. So, um, a lot of people will often ask me, like, what should I do? Should I take any kind of diuretic? And I say, you know, there are two diuretics that are really good. Caffeine is a natural diuretic, and water is an effective diuretic as well, which seems kind of counterintuitive. But, you know, the more water you drink, the less you hold on to. Um, it keeps keeps fluid moving through your system. So uh, you can purchase an over-the-counter diuretic, something like MHP Expel, um, dandelion root. I always find those things to be minimally effective at best and typically I would say save your money. Uh, uh, clients will ask, you know, what about, you know, Lasix or something like that and be like, no, <laughs> just, you don't need to, you know, I mean, the, the risk isn't huge. If you know how to use it correctly, the risk isn't huge. Um, but let's be clear. It's a prescription medication. So how are you getting it? Do you know exactly what it is? How legitimate is it? Um, because you're not going to be getting it from a pharmacy. You know, nobody's going to prescribe you Lasix for your bodybuilding show. Um, so if you use it correctly, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's pretty easy to get it right, but it's, it, it's not foolproof. It's not foolproof. You can screw yourself up with that stuff. And for what, unless you are competing at the very highest level, there's just no point in doing it. And, you know, unless you're, Prep is so on point. Again, it comes back to, you know, are you using peak week because you're shooting for that extra 1% or because you're hoping for a miracle because you aren't ready? Um, so whatever you do during peak week, that last week, there's nothing you can do that's going to take away the fat that you need to lose. Um, fluids, maybe, but you can drop a bunch of fluids and that fat's still going to be there. And if you, if you dry out, all it's going to do is make all the fat that's there still even more obvious. So don't bother. Save your time. Save your effort. Um, don't do a crazy aggressive peak week. It is not going to help in a significant way. Uh, there again, it, it's always a case by case basis. Like I, I, I'm, I'm working with somebody right now. She's doing figure, and you know, I, I can just tell like her body responds well to carb depletion and then carb feeding. So. In figure, you know, you've got somebody with a little bit more overall development. You want to make sure because you're dieting, you're dieting, chances are your carbs are getting fairly low throughout prep, especially if you're a natural athlete. You know, your cardio is high, your carbs are low, you're tired, you're cranky, it sucks. Um, you know, you don't want to get up on stage flat as a pancake. So doing a, a little bit of a carb up and, you know, how much depends on a variety of figures. Um like if, if I'm depleted, I could probably do 500 grams of carbs a day for three or four days and be fine. Um, but it depends on how hard you're depleted. And so really being in, being in, in having a high level of communication with your coach and making sure that they get a really good look at you consistently leading up into that final week is really helpful. So really making sure that they have a good handle on how things are coming along. So if, if peak week consists of, just like sending away in like, here I am like, no, I need a little bit more than that. We, we need, we should be looking at photos daily, you know, quick video shots daily as well would be helpful too. um, talk to me about your workouts, show me some workout footage so I can see like how depleted you are. If there's any kind of, you know, still, if, we, if we've still got some, some glycogen left in the muscles, you know, how, how hard do we deplete? And then how hard do we carb up? That is a variable, but a lot of people benefit from a carb up. And even in bikini, I find a carb up to be a little helpful. It's typically not very aggressive. Um, but it depends again on how depleted you are and how full we want you. And then, you know, what have the effect of carb, carb ups been in the past? Because you have to remember what the judging criteria are. You know, you don't want to in bikini, you don't want to show up on stage looking super cut vascular, like a balloon animal or anything like that, because you went and you had a 600 gram carb up the night before or whatever. I mean, you know, most, most physiques in the bikini division aren't going to take well to that, but if yours does, it's probably a good sign that maybe you shouldn't do it and, and maybe, you know, investigate moving up a division because those are the kind of things that would really be a huge asset, um, in something like figure or physique that might actually hold you back in bikini. So, uh, less is more. That is the really hard thing to sell people on is that, you know, with this thing where bodybuilding is always about more, 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 more extreme, you know, bigger, leaner, et cetera, push harder, do crazier shit all the time. 
But in peak week, the crazier stuff you do, the more likely you are to screw things up. The more you manipulate variables outside of normal ranges and, and throw things at your body that it's not accustomed to having thrown at it, the more likely you are to throw a variable at it that it's just not ready for and not going to respond too well. So I, case in point, a guy that I used to um, work out with um, and uh, actually had him as a trainer way back in the day. Um, this was probably like 10, 12 years ago at this point. Um you know, he, he would get ready for a show and do some of the most craziest extreme stuff throughout prep. I've seen him drop 45 pounds in 10 weeks um, just because anything goes with this guy. And he's like 10 days out, and you're like, holy crap, this guy looks amazing. I mean, huge, full, hard as nails. Um, and then by virtue of everything that he does in the last 10 days, manages to totally screw up his physique, comes in just soft, soft, spilling over just no no pump nothing takes seventh in his class and realistically if you could have put him on stage 10 days out probably would have won um so you know it's that hardcore mentality like i need to do everything under the sun to get ready for this um and in so doing if by changing everything and trying all this new stuff in the last 10 days you totally screw yourself up so it's not just about playing it safe and saying well i'm going to change as little as possible just because this is working that that's good, but also keep in mind that you know what what got you this far will get you the rest of the way. So peak week needs to be just about that last one or two percent, not trying to say okay now we're a week out now the real fun stuff happens. No, no, that that's a, a bad idea and not good. So the reason why people see changes happening daily um, during peak week is just because you're stage ready. You know when you're that lean, you can do just a little bit. And, and have those changes be more evident. So you don't have to do anything super crazy. Little water manipulation, maybe a little bit more sodium, bring in some carbs, that's it. Um, it doesn't have to be insane or anything like that. So please, And don't do anything stupid, please, please, please. Remember what you're competing for is like a plastic trophy. So you know, leave the prescription diuretics for the pros. You know, it's not something that, that you need to be using you know, for, for local shows or anything like that. My personal opinion, ain't worth it. Follow Darren all across social media. Just search Five Star Physique with two R's on Facebook, YouTube, and Pinterest. Keep up on all the latest news, tips, and tricks. I wanted to spend a few minutes going over something that uh, I, I know will be uh, a concept that is not new to a lot of people, but it will be something that you know a lot of people also probably haven't thought about. And one of the things that I do as a coach is I'm always encouraging clients to send me video stuff of what you're doing in the gym just because it's a huge wild card. You know, um, for, for any coach who's working online, if they just make the assumption that everything in the gym is happening just fine and, okay, let's just look at your pics, let's tra track your diet, they are leaving a huge part of what you do on a regular basis daily to chance. Maybe you're doing things great. Maybe you're not. Maybe you're doing things good, but we could do things a little bit more effectively. That is one of the things that I just, I, I don't leave it to chance. And one thing that really determines uh, among the people that I work with how successful you are with the program is how how reliably you keep me in the loop with some video stuff so, so that I can evaluate what you're doing. Um just because it's it's one of those things that I use as a proactive means to stay on top of things. When I first started doing this, and granted that was some years back, so messaging technology wasn't quite as great as it was as it is now. So you know it was a little trickier to see things in reasonable volume at reasonable lengths. Like you know I can see a few reps here and there, but sending large videos even just a few years ago was a little bit more difficult. Now it's really easy. So um, I, I would be working with somebody and I'd be like, yeah, wow, you know what, I'm, I'm really, you know, we're, we're making some progress here, but I'm really kind of underwhelmed at the rate of change here. And then eventually I get to see what they're doing in the gym. And it's just like, you know, complete lack of intensity, you know, not a lot of focus, you just structurally things aren't, aren't put together and stabilized the way that we want. So it, it's one of those things now where I, I make it very clear from day one, I'm like, we need to see this stuff. This needs to be a big part of what we do is reviewing this stuff. So um, I get a lot of, of, of video work from clients to review. So that's a big part of what I do now on top of just 
you know, program updates and regular check-ins and regular day-to-day communications as I'm amassing all this video stuff and providing feedback. So one of the things that, um, in particular, this is something that applies to a lot of exercises. Um, one of the things that I'm always telling my clients to be more and more aware of, and it's not necessarily something that we want to eliminate altogether, but it is something that you should always be aware of when it's happening, is the stretch reflex. So what this means is when a muscle gets stretched, there is a natural tendency for it to bounce back into a more relaxed or a you know even flexed position. So what this means, one of the most common things that um, I will see get, uh, one of the most common movements where I will see the stretch reflex get overutilized is on a bench press. So you take it down and then there's this bounce off the chest um, where the, the bar hits the chest and then you press it back up. And of course, there are degrees to this. Um, you can see people that have a very violent bounce um, off their chest to the point where, you know, I've seen people get injured doing that. And then other times it's just more of like a really light touch and go. Um, but what's happening there, it's not so much the bounce off the chest, but, you know, simulate the movement right there and feel what happens. You know, your pec and your anterior delt are getting stretched pretty significantly when the bar is all the way down towards the chest. So what happens there is a muscle gets stretched. It has that natural tendency to want to bounce right back. So you take it down, you use a little bit of that bounce from the bar and then capitalize on the stretch effect in the muscle and then you press back up. So that is a stretch reflex, also common on a shoulder press. Um, you have your arms extended, the weight's all the way overhead, you bring it down, and there's a little bounce, like a rebound, that stretch reflex out of the bottom to help aid in getting up to the next rep. So you get a little bit of momentum going there. Very common to see this on a squat as well. Um, so you go all the way down to the bottom. Um, typically, you know, the... Uh, What's happening there is really the glutes are, are the thing that are most stretched there. So there's a little bit of a – also the knee uh, has, has a tendency to want to bounce and rebound from that fully flexed position into something that's a little bit more natural and, and get get it a little bit more extended. So um, what what happens there and what we see in the squats is the, the change of direction at the bottom becomes a little bit more violent. So, you know, ballistic and not controlled. And what happens here is a couple things. First of all, it, it provides a lot of you know wear and tear on the joints. You know, on the, on the presses, um, bench press, shoulder press, your shoulder it, it takes some stress there that is not entirely helpful. On squats, really the knees bear the brunt of it. So you have that violent change in uh, direction. You go all the way down, and this really only works if you're if you're bottoming out on these movements. So uh, if you're going ass to grass on squats with no pause, you're creating a lot more shearing forces in the joints. If you take your presses all the way down either to the chest or like um, with a barbell shoulder press or a dumbbell shoulder press you go for maximum depth there that's where we're utilizing a stretch reflex so um the the problem with this is first of all if you're really uncontrolled with it and really just you know not paying attention to it but just saying hey great this is going to help me get the next rep up um you're you're in a position where you're you're putting yourself in a slightly higher risk for getting injured so or just you're you're contributing more to normal wear and tear. I, I wouldn't be so concerned that you're going to have a violent acute injury or anything like that, but you're creating, you know, you're creating more wear and tear than an average rep would. So the other downside to stretch reflex is a very simple one, and that is that um, it, it's a mechanism and it's a compensation mechanism that is designed to make things easier. So you go all the way down to a squat, you bounce out of the bottom, you come back up, that next rep is easier. It's not a stretch reflex kind of thing, but the same thing is on a deadlift. So you you the weight starts on the ground. You ever notice when you do deadlifts, the first rep is always the hardest, and then you kind of get into a groove? Well, a lot of times what people are doing is they stand up and they take the weight back down, they bounce it off the ground. So, you know, the, the muscles aren't necessarily getting a stretch reflex, but you're getting the same thing. You're basically cheating the start of the next rep. So you're bouncing that weight off the ground, using a little bit of that rebound effect to make the next rep easier. Well, making reps easier is not what bodybuilding is all about. What we should be trying to do is, first of all, be aware of all those things and then try to make your reps harder and then get better and execute more good reps. So when you are bouncing out of the bottom of a squat to make your next rep easier, first of all, you're you're robbing the muscles of their ability to, to contract and actually, you know, get some work done and have a reason to grow. Um, and you're providing additional stress on joints that isn't necessarily helpful. 
Same thing on a bench press. You know, are you interested in moving as much weight as you possibly can for as many reps, or are you interested in fatiguing the muscle as much as you possibly can? So there are several ways to combat this. And again, like I said, it's not always a terrible thing, but it is something that you should always be aware of. How much stretch reflex are you incorporating on a given uh, on, on a given rep? on a given set, on a given day, throughout the entirety of a given split. Um, there are sometimes where just via tempo uh, indicators that I'll write into workouts, it's kind of implied like, hey, we're not using any stretch reflex here. Um, like if, if we're doing a bench press and I specify that I want a one-second pause in the stretch position, that eliminates any and all stretch reflex. And whether it's a second or not doesn't matter. What matters is it's not a zero. <laughs> you know, So if it's a half a second pause, a quarter second pause, we're eliminating that bounce. Um, so, and, and the goal being, again, we want maximum muscle activation. So there are some tools available for this as well. Um, my, my buddy Roger that I will uh, work out with in the gym from time to time, he pulls out of his bag, what he calls his barbell tampon, um, which is a big pad that he sticks around the bar. Um, and it, it provides about, you know, you take, you take the, the barbell all the way down and it provides about a four inch cushion between your uh, between your chest and the bar. So for me, what that does is it makes my shoulders happier because when I take the bar all the way down on a flat bench press, that stretch is a little uncomfortable for my shoulders. And I attribute that just to the fact that I'm getting a little bit older. <laughs> and, you know, my shoulders, ever since I was about 28, 30, they've been, you know, a little dicey. Like, they're not bad or anything like that, but I'm just aware that I have to be a little bit more cautious with them. They don't really limit anything that I do. Um, but on a press or on a fly movement or something like that, if I eliminate that maximum stretch part of the range of motion, um, it's a little bit uh, a little bit happier for the shoulder. So having that pad on the bar prevents that um, prevents that maximum range of motion. Now also one thing about that is since it is really padded, you think you'd, it would kind of encourage you to um, to bounce a little bit more since it's not just a, a metal barbell that's bouncing off your chest, but it's this big thick cushion pad. But what it does is really it provides a gauge for where to stop your reps. Um, so you still it doesn't do the work for you, but it does help you get a little bit more guidance on how to control your range of motion. So, but still, if your shoulders are comfortable with it, um, there's nothing wrong with taking things down to to the the maximum stretch position um, on a bench press, on a shoulder press. Certainly, you know, assuming you're knees and hips feel good with it, go all the way down on a squat. Um, and just be mindful of that this happens everywhere. So it's not just on these heavy compound movements, but even like on a curl, you can get a stretch reflex here and typically more of your body is going to be involved. So you kind of cheat that next rep up. So this kind of bleeds into a larger conversation about just overall compensations, like other things that your body is doing to make the next rep easier and more doable than the one that came before, which is a natural tendency because as the muscle fatigues, you know, you have it in your brain that you're shooting for a specific target rep range and you're not there yet. So we got to get it up somehow. Um, but that's the trick with bodybuilding is identifying those compensations, identifying an overuse of a mechanism like the stretch reflex and trying to dial back on that a little bit, but yet still find a way to get the work done anyway by engaging the muscle a little bit more. So once again, it's not something that you have to eliminate entirely but just something to be aware of and be be cognizant of how much of it you're using. There may be days where, you know, it's okay and that's part of the plan is, you know, we're going to utilize this and, you know, because we're in a groove and the extra weight feels good, we can squeeze out some extra reps and we're still getting fatigue. As a general rule, though, I, I would say more often than not, you should be aware of it and try to reduce how much of it you use. Maybe not eliminate it all the way, uh, but there are degrees, as I mentioned at the onset. So you can have tremendous amounts of stretch reflex or just a little bit. And, you know, that, you know, as with everything, the, the absolutes do not necessarily provide a realistic place to sit. So eliminating it all the time and eh, probably not practical using a ton of it all the time, probably not useful. So play around with it. But again, something to just be aware of as much as anything else. Time to wrap it up. Closing thoughts. To wrap things up this week, I wanted to do something just a little bit different. Um, you know, I have a lot of clients on my roster, um, and I would love to give shout outs to all of them. Um, you know, they, they all put in 
a lot of work. Um, they all have you know varying strengths, varying degrees of experience, and I feel lucky to be able to work with all of them. Um, just wanted to acknowledge one of them in particular here who has done just an outstanding job. We've been working together for, who boy, um, I should have checked this before I started. We go all the way back to end of February last year. So just a little over a year getting ready for her first show, which is not this weekend, but next weekend. I believe the actual date on the calendar, I should know these Saturday dates by heart, but I get confused sometimes. It's going to be the 31st of March. So um, Alex Bassett, um, she's put in just a, a ridiculous amount of work. And you know the, the other thing about it is just how consistent she is and I know it's hard work and I know I ask a lot out of her but she really makes it look pretty easy um, which I know it's not but from where I sit it's just kind of automatic you know we, we've been doing daily check-ins now for a good long bit um, and every day she sends me her her tracker that shows what she's been up to we have a little back and forth to see if there are any changes that we want to make and just consistently it shows up every day and it's almost as if the possibility that something off plan were to happen just doesn't even exist. Like she hits the macros, she nails the cardio, she does the lifts, she takes a rest day when she's supposed to, and it's awesome. So um, she's about, what is it, Friday? So she's eight days out at this point. So we'll be starting peak week early, early next week. And again, you know, going over what we talked about earlier in this episode, it's not going to be anything too too crazy. We're doing a little bit of depletion work right now, and then we'll carb her up, but nothing super crazy. Um, and then she's going to take uh, about four weeks to get ready for show number two, so um, which will be the Emerald Cup. So she's in Washington State. So I just wanted to say good luck to Alex. Um, I appreciate the work that you put in especially, so I just wanted to give you a little shout out here. So once again, Thank you, everybody, for listening. If you've been following through, then you've heard all the social media stuff, so I won't spare you and repeat all those things here. Um, but please do go vote in the poll at fivestarphysique.com. Um, what I'm asking for this week, how do you listen to this? Please let me know. This is something that actually has some utility for me, so I want to cater how I present things here based on how people are listening, and it will also give me a little bit of insight into how this is being found. So if you could vote on that, I'd appreciate it very much. I hope everybody has an awesome week and I'll check back in with you here next week.